Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. (laughs) Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, we're looking to you. We love you, Master. As a matter of fact, Father, I get on my knees right now to just tell you it's all about you tonight, God. We're here for you. Father, if you would just speak to your people tonight, for your words are spirit and life, God. Your words break down strongholds, Master. They revitalize and refresh and make anew, Father, the, the, the thoughts in our mind. Father, we ask for the mindset of Christ tonight, God. Father, we ask that you would station angels all around this building tonight, God. We plead the blood of Jesus over this place, Father. God, we ask that you open up every ear, every heart, and every mind tonight, God, to hear what your word is, Father. God, that we would pay attention to you tonight, God. That we would receive your spoken word. And Father, we love you. And Father, we praise you. And Father, we ask tonight, we come for a double portion, God. And Father, we know the Bible says we have not because we ask not, Lord. Father, we ask him tonight for a double portion of you, of your presence, Father. Whatever it looks like, we want more. We want more of you. We don't want normal. Normal doesn't work in today's time, God. And Father, Jesus was never normal. Jesus was anything but normal. And so we're asking for Jesus tonight. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Oh, hallelujah. Well, have you enjoyed the presence of the Lord tonight? Man, he is so good, isn't he? He is beyond good. He is beyond good. Can you just imagine that time when you step over into glory and you get to know him as he is? Everything changes in that moment when you get to know him as he is. Because, see, when you get to know him as he is, you don't know your limitations as your whole life told you about. Because see, when you get to know him as he is, you get to understand how good he really is. See, there are creatures in the heavens called the seraphim. They're called the burning ones. Day in and day out. The Bible says they don't stop speaking that word and declaring that word with authority. Holy, holy, holy. And every single time, watch this, that the elders hear that, 
the elders fall down and they lay their crowns. And what they're saying is, Lord, everything we have belongs to you. You are above everything that you have given us. And they do it day in and day out. I would say that that is a definition of being fully submerged in God. Tonight, I want to talk to you about being fully submerged in God. Amen? Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please open up to the book of John. We're going to go to the fourth chapter. And we're going to deal with a lesson that most of us have heard, most of us have read several times. It deals with the lady at the well. Hallelujah. We're going to start in verse 1. How many people know that Jesus is good? How many people know that Jesus has a plan for your life? How many people believe the plan that he has for your life? Let me talk to you. Let's talk about that just for a second. How many people believe the plan he has for you? Sometimes that's a struggle, isn't it? Sometimes that's a struggle. Lord, I hear what you're saying. That sounds like it's a little bit beyond where I think I can go. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've been there before. And I'm going to stay right here just for a second before we get into Scripture. I just feel the Lord just staying right here and we're going to do it. As soon as I can find my notes on this thing right here. You know what's amazing? When you have notes and you can't even find them. I literally can't find my notes. I saw my notes on this thing before I got here. All right, Lord, it's all you then. They're really not on here. Oh, wait, there they are. Come on, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We need God. Amen. Amen. We need God. I think sometimes in society we forget how much we really need God. Like I want God 24-7, 365, and then some. He's that good to me, man. He has changed my life from where he found me. Trust me, where he found me was not where I am today. And where he found me, he walked with me. From when he found me, every single step of the way. And when I would fall down, he would not move on. He would stay right there with me. And he would be my encouragement that got me back up on my feet. Man, he is the best motivator in the world. And I'll even say this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's also an instigator. He's also an instigator. And that's okay, isn't it? But that's part of his personality. He's an instigator. He likes to do what he sees his father doing. And he wants us to do the same thing. Look 
Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all men, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and teach them everything I've commanded you. In other words, teach them how to give hope to the hopeless. Teach them how to love the unlovable. Teach them how to preach the good news of my kingdom with an anointing from on high. Teach them about relationship that is laser focused on the Father on the throne. Teach them about transformation in Christ. Teach them about how the anointing destroys the yoke of the enemy. Teach them about family. Teach them how to follow me. Sometimes in our life, that's the hardest thing to do. When you try to make a decision, do I want to keep doing what I want to do or do I want to really follow him? Because see, there's sometimes in our lives, we think we got the plan. There's sometimes in our life, we think we know how to do this thing called life. Well, guess what? You don't. You don't. And you find out pretty quick as soon as you come up into something that you can't handle. Especially, man, when someone is in the hospital that you love dearly. And you're like, God, I need you to move. God, I need you to do what only you can do, God. I'm going to be honest with you. Jesus said this. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, to follow Christ, the word follow translates to a concept. And it literally means to cling to, to cleave to, to investigate, and to fully seek. In our American mindset, when we hear the word follow, If this was the individual I was following, it means get behind and follow in a single line. But in this language and in that culture, what Jesus was saying is, do what I do. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Be the image and likeness that you were created in. In this moment, we see that Jesus is out baptizing more people than his cousin John the Baptist. He is doing what the Father is showing him to do. By the way, I want to go ahead and we'll start this real quick and then we're going to get into something neat. Chapter 4, verse 1. When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. Verse 3 says, He left Judea and went again to Galilee. Hmm. The Bible says that when the Pharisees, when they caught on that Jesus was doing things, The Bible says that when Jesus knew the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples, 
that's when he decided to leave because the Pharisees represented the religious sect of the church. And when the religious sect of the church started hearing that Jesus was moving and changing lives, they started getting upset. And Jesus said, well, if I'm not welcome here because of religious people and religious mindset people, I'm going to go somewhere else where I am welcome. Sometimes we got people in the church in leadership because that have a religious mindset ain't got no business being in the leadership position because they're not hungry for the relationship that Jesus wants to give them. It's the very thing Jesus left that area for. I want to go find people who are hungry. I want to go find people who want me. I want to find people because people matter to the Father. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to go find the one. And ain't it sad that the Pharisees would see people being baptized by Jesus and his disciples and they would get their feathers ruffled. You know why? Because they weren't doing it. Sometimes we got people in leadership that get upset because the anointing is moving through somebody else and not them. And when Jesus sees that, he leaves. Because he is not welcome and doesn't want to be around the spirit of religion. He wants to do something new. He does not want to be on someone else's agenda you can only do this you can only go this far you can only do this and you got to do it if I say so that is not how Jesus works Jesus said that when he knew the Pharisees that means that maybe the Pharisees ain't even said something yet but he knew the condition of their heart and when he knew the condition of those religious leaders hearts he said I'm going to bounce I'm going to bounce because this right here ain't what I'm about. I want to be around some devoted people who are hungry and thirsty. Because he knew that he was about to pay too big a price to let some people with religious mindset stop him and hinder him for the lives that he wants to impact and change. He had been called to a great work. But the religious leaders wanted nothing to do with something like that because the cost was too much. Come on, Jesus. Amen. You wish on You wonder why there's not a lot of churches in the land in the United States of America that are not experiencing revival, that are not experiencing hunger and thirst, it's because the leadership of the church has gotten comfortable and warm. They are not hungry for the presence of God. Oh, I feel that strong. Say it again, Jesus. God likes to do things on his agenda. And he's really good at being God. He's the best one I've ever met at being God. I ain't met nobody ever in my entire life that's better at being God than God. But we got some people in leadership that think they are. 
they want to tell him, no, don't come in this service. I won't, I won't be able to watch the Falcons play at 1 o'clock. I won't be able to get to Golden Corral before the Baptists do. No, don't be doing all that stuff right there because now we got to explain what the heck is going on and we can't control it because something might just take place and somebody's life might just get messed up for eternity. The Lord loves to mess people up, man. He loves to mess people up. Anybody ever heard of Peter? He done messed him up, didn't he? Hey, Peter, come out here with me in this boat. Cast your net down. Hold on, wait a minute. I just, uh, I just been here all night, Lord. We didn't catch nothing. Yeah, but you didn't do it with me. <laughs> all right, Lord, it's your word. I'll drop the nets. And then I'll catch because it's your word. Many people know that his word is spirit and his word is life to those who hear. Amen. Is his word not the best thing for you? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, we're going to get to something neat. Brother David, thank you so much. Y'all see this baptismal over here? I just want you to know this is supernatural stuff that's been taking place in that baptism before. And I'm going to give you a testimony. One day, me and Pastor Herman were over here. We were praying and a couple other people. And uh, we were just having a Holy Ghost moment. Just, man, a couple friends hanging out with, with Jesus. Now, look, you ever had room temperature water? You ever drank it before? It's okay, but you know the temperature of it, right? So we got in here, man, and we just want to tell, show the Lord, hey, Lord, we're serious about following you. Lord, we're serious about being passionate pursuers. Lord, we're serious about being pastors that you have called, Father. And we're serious about just being sons of God. And so, you know, sometimes you just want to rededicate yourself. You just want to do it, you know, really to the Lord. And in that moment, uh, I got in that thing and... Shirt, pants, I mean, everything. And next thing I know, we got, I think, one or two bottles of from the water that's been back there. Now, look, guys, it's 80 degrees inside. 80 degrees in here. And the water comes off the table in the back. You could almost take a bath with that thing. When they pour it on my head, it feels like 32-degree water. It froze me. And I didn't know what to say. I was like, where did the heck? Because I got my eyes closed, my arms out, and the water just coming down on my face. I'm like, where did they find this water? This is the coldest water I've ever felt in my entire life. And I was dripping from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. And, I re and in that moment, I was just giving, just, just giving my life to the Lord. Just, Lord, this is the moment between me and you. That is special. See, God loves special moments between him and his sons and his daughters. Let me say that again. God loves special moments between you and him. And that was a special moment between me and my father. And that takes us to the word here. It says that Jesus was baptizing more people than his cousin John the Baptist. The word baptize actually translates to baptismo. And what it literally translates to is being fully submerged in God. You want to talk about being passionate pursuers, man. You can't do it without being fully submerged in God. Fully submerged in God. 
And that's what Christ did. That's how he lived, fully submerged in God. He was, all, he was God in the flesh. The word made flesh. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 14, and he dwelt among men and we observed his glory. Fully God, fully man. And he showed us what laser focus was all about. It's about having the mindset of Christ being fully submerged and fully focused on what God's doing. Imagine if our leadership in Washington, D.C., was fully submerged in Christ. Wow. Think about that. And that's not too big a job for God. And they need God as much as anybody else. I do believe that that's probably one of the most demonic places on the face of the earth is in Washington, D.C., those principalities, man, the things that they are trying to do behind the scenes and how they're trying to manipulate things and, and how they are being ministering spirits, man, to, to in the ears, man, of those that hear that are in those high and in, in, in offices and in, in the representatives. It don't matter if they're Republicans, Democrats, or whatever. But the deal is, is, man, that is the most demonic place because that's where decisions are made about the future of our country. Now, I propose a change. Point of order. How about the church stand up and be the church? Amen. Where the decisions of this nation are based upon the presence of God. Yes. Last night we talked about Exodus chapter 33 and Moses said, if we're going to take a nation somewhere, God, we're not going to do it unless you come with us. If you want to make a nation of priests and kings, God, we're not going to be able to do it with just an angel going in front of us, God. God, you have to tell us who you're going to send with us, Father. You want to make a nation God? Consume it with your presence. And God said, Moses, I will. I will. I will. Ten times. And he said, my presence will go with you and give you rest. And Moses was the leader of a nation. We need our leaders of our nation to turn back to God. Let me say that again because I didn't hear you. We need our leadership of our nation to turn back to God. Yeah. And that includes, thank you, Holy Ghost. It's my, mm, mm, and that includes people in the pulpit. Yeah. Mm, when that was not in my notes. But it's in his notes, Amen. We're going, to take, we're going to take it. We're going to tell it like it is. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes we stumble into Jesus. And when you stumble into Jesus, guess what? That's probably your best moment in your life. Because you know it's God. It's not something you done conjured up. It's not something you said, yeah, we're going to make happen. No, it's Jesus saying, no, I was here before you got here. And my point of being here is to encounter you and to change you, to transform you. Mm, and to propel you. Speaking of being propelled, mm, we're talking about that word baptize. The Bible says in the book of Acts, it says that you will receive power from on high when the Spirit comes upon you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
That is a spiritual word that is called dynamis or dunamis, and it literally translates to an explosive power that happens on the inside that propels you forward. Mama, that means you're propelled from within because of relationship. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives within me. I'm propelled from within by Christ. Not Matt, not my own ways, but by the King of Kings and by the Lord of Lords. Amen. 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 Mm-mm-mm. All right. Now we're going to get some scripture. says, he left Judea, in verse 3, and he went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was worn out from his journey, sat down at the well, and it was about 6 in the evening. Now, let me explain something here. The Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Nowhere in Scripture do we ever see that if you want to go from Jerusalem and Judea to Galilee, that as a Jewish man, you would ever go through Samaria. Yeah, that's the wrong way to go. That's the wrong side of the tracks. You don't want the GPS done failed, okay? Normally what you would do is you would go down into Jericho, 18 miles, a little bit southeast, Okay? Then you would kick over to the River Jordan because normally you got friends with you and you got some animals with you, so they're going to get a sip of water. And then you're going to go up through the River Jordan all the way up to Lake Galilee, which is about 90 miles from that point of reference to where Lake Galilee was, especially on the north end, which is where Jesus' home was, where he lived with Peter and Andrew in Capernaum. Now, he got to travel. And he says, you know what? Because I'm always focusing on the Father, There's a life that God wants to touch in Samaria. There's a person that needs the love of the Father, that needs the affection of the Father because they're trying to get the affection that to feel something from man and God wants to give them the affection that only God can give. We all need that affection, don't we? We all need the affection of God. The Bible says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said. For his disciples had gone in town to buy food. A little cultural side note. At this time that Jesus is sitting at the well, this lady has come by herself. It's a mile outside of town, and it's not a safe thing to do for a woman to travel by herself carrying something heavy for a mile. Can you imagine carrying just a, let's just say a gallon of water for two miles? Or I mean, for one mile, one mile that way, and one mile back? Because I'm going to take something with me over the journey. Sometimes we don't even get in the car without a Mountain Dew, do we? So here this lady comes up and man, we know that most of this story is that she's there. She's, she's there all alone because the women in the morning normally go about nine in the morning in the cool of the day. It's a disgrace for her to be seen with them. So she can't be seen with them. So she's going at the time when she, when, when their culture says she can go. 
Jesus has done set this whole moment up. He's sitting by Jacob's well, and she comes, and he's like, it's about time. He's fixing to get into some stuff because you're going to leave here from this well differently than when you came. Amen. This well represented so much in her life. One of the things this well represented in her life was how the old day of religion fed them in their day. It was Jacob's well. It was known as Jacob's well in Palestine. It was the deepest well in their area. Mm -hmm. Someone catch that? The old well of religion was the deepest well in their day. If the old well of religion is the deepest well you know about, then I've got someone who knows something a little bit different that's got something that's a whole lot deeper and a whole lot filling and a whole lot more meaningful called living water within his well. Mm. The other thing that that well in their culture stood for was a well of politics. We don't want to drink from that well, do we? I don't want to drink from any well other than the well that Jesus owns. Amen. Because I know what Jesus is going to give me. That's what I need. His words are spirit and life. And I don't want just a little bit of Jesus. I can't handle just a little bit of Jesus because I've been changed by a whole lot of Jesus because I met the real Jesus, amen? And because I met the real Jesus, I'm excited about the real Jesus. How real is Jesus to you? It's one of the questions as a believer we should often ask ourselves. He's very real to us when everything is going good. But what about, man, when pressure starts coming in from all sides and worry and doubt start creeping in your mind? How real is he to you then? Do you instigate your shield of faith and bring it up where it needs to be? Fully oiled with unfeigned faith. And do you exercise it because of how real he really is to you? I just want to testify. If it had not been for him, I would not be here today. And sometimes when I can't raise my shield, he has done it for me. He is that good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. She said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink? From me, a Samaritan woman, she asked. For Jews do not even associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Right there, I would just say, all right, stop. Time out. If I knew who I was talking to. If I knew who was in front of me, if I knew whose attention I had, mm, well, then tell me, because now I want to know. 
Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? I just want to tell you something. Jesus don't need no bucket. Jesus don't need no bucket to get no water. Amen. Jesus don't need no bucket. He said, she said, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? For he gave us this well and he drank from it himself. As did his sons and his livestock. Jesus says, whoever drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up from within him for everlasting life, says Jesus. Lord, give me some of that. Give me that right there that I'll never thirst again. That's some water. Well, that's some water they don't sell right down the street at gas station. That's some water you're not going to find at Publix. That's some water you're not going to find at Walmart. That's some water you can only be found in Jesus. And it's for you and you and you and you and me. Come on, Jesus. Mm. Living water is better than drinking water. Propel ain't got nothing on Jesus' water. Nestle ain't got nothing on Jesus' water. Dasani ain't got nothing on Jesus' water. I'll take that stuff that just comes directly from the source, amen? Directly from the source of life. Give me what you got. It's been around a whole long time. And it don't ever run dry. And it gives me salvation, amen? Amen, amen, amen. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I'll never get thirsty and I'll never have to come here to draw water ever again. See, now we get into the part where it's personal for her. Because see, I don't like coming to this well day in and day out by myself. Because when I come here and I make this journey day in and day out by myself, I'm reminded of my sins day in and day out. I'm reminded day in and day out of my lack when I come to this well. I'm reminded of my shame of yesterday every single day I make this journey by myself. I'm reminded of how I'm an outcast from society because of my past. See, every time I come to this well, I can never get past my past. Sometimes in church, there are people that we sit with that can never get past their past. And because they can never get past their past, they can never experience the freedom of Christ. We all deal with it. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that the enemy loves to mess us up. He loves to remind you of your past. He likes to try to put you back in chains of bondage that happened last week, last month, last year. Maybe earlier this morning, maybe yesterday. And all the while, all you're trying to do, man, is just get closer to Jesus. You're just trying to feel some freedom in your life. You're just trying to heal some voids, man. And sometimes, man, because we like to self-medicate, we forget the one that is the medication. Amen? He is the great physician. Hallelujah. 
And so here, this woman, she says, give me this water so I'll never get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. So Jesus says, all right, if you want to start getting real, I'll start getting real with you. Sometimes it takes us getting real with Jesus. And in order to get real with Jesus, we just got to open up this thing right here called our heart. Because, see, sometimes we, we go through life so, uh, thank you, Holy Ghost. We go through life with scars, battle scars and wounds of yesterday. And we try to bandage them up and put something around our heart so we don't get hurt again. But when we go to worship and we go to prayer, man, those things are still over our heart. And Jesus is like, man, if you just open up to me and get real with me, man, I can touch that. I can speak to that. I can give you this living water and apply it to that. Jesus says this, go call your husband and come back here. He says, okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Sometimes, man, we got to talk about the elephant in the room with God. But that's okay. He already knows about it. He already knows about it. He already knows about it. He knows where your biggest weak point is. And he knows that he wants to speak to it. Because he wants to minister to it. See, that's the heart of Jesus. He likes to minister to our weak points. He wants to minister to her weakest point in her life. Where all of her emotional baggage comes from. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands. And the man you live with now, he's not your husband. What you have said is true, she replied. I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, his identity or part of it is starting to be made known. She's like, man, you're talking about some stuff, ain't you? You're talking about some stuff, some law. You're kind of hitting below the belt. So since you're a prophet, let's talk about worship. Let's take the focus off of me and let's put it on something else. Sometimes we do the same thing, don't we? I didn't hear a whole lot from that one. I heard one or two. But I know it's real, okay? You ain't got to amen on it. I know it's real. Sometimes when God wants to speak to us, we're like, hey, let's just change the subject. God, that little, that little close. That little close, that, that kind of hurts a little bit. Ow. Sometimes you go around Christ, you got to wear some steel-toed combat boots, amen? Because he will step on them things. But that's because he loves you. That's because he loves you. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants to transform you into a new thing. Amen. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here that when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Man, I love me some of that stuff. I got to be honest. You want to talk about free and worship? See, all she'd ever known before, man, is this kind of religious and political kind of worship. Hey, man, look at the history of this well. Look at what's going on, you know. And Jesus is like, no, I got something better for you. 
I got something better for you. It's called worshiping, and it's now here in spirit and in truth. Guys, there is no other way to worship Jehovah God other than in spirit and in truth. If I want someone to pray for me, I want someone that worships in spirit and in truth. If you don't know how to worship like that, don't come pray for me. Don't come pray for me. That may sound egotistical, but it's not. It's where my heart is. Because if I need you to come pray for me, I need you to grab hold of heaven. And if you worship in spirit and truth, I know you know how to grab hold of heaven. But if you don't, you don't speak my language. I need people to bond together in agreement with me. If I want you to come pray for me, I want to check out your lifestyle of worship. Most of the time, it should go before you, amen? And then we see somebody worshiping, we know, hey, that person right there can pray. That person right there can call on heaven. That person right there knows about the presence of God. And what Jesus is saying here, hey, worship in this place is about to change because I am here, amen? Oh, I feel a little bit excited. Verse 24 says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I knew that I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I am he, Jesus told her. The one speaking to you. Do you know he has never stopped speaking to you? He says, my words are spirit and they are life to those who hear. Something took place in her life in this encounter that changed her for the rest of her life. And because it took place in her life, it changed things in a city's life. It changed the lives in the people of the city that she was from because of what took place in her life between her and the word of God. Because she heard the words of Christ. Just then the disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was taking, he's talking with a woman. Yet nobody said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the men, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You notice she left the water jar at the well. She left the very thing that took her to that well. Because when she got to the well, she found something and someone that was a whole lot more important. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to tell you something tonight. We're going to have an altar call here in a few minutes. God wants some people to leave some water jars here at this altar tonight. Standing all around the house. Pastor Herman, if I could just get you to figure out some music for us. 
Bible says that they left the town and they made their way to him. They made their way to Jesus, guys. When they heard the testimony of this lady, come and see this man who told me everything I've ever done in my entire life. Could this be the Messiah? Could this one that touched me when nobody else could touch me, this one that took time when nobody else would take the time to spend time with me, this one that loves me, this one that says, I know who you are and I've come today to meet with you because I know where you come from. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.